sun, looking out for number one, California, here we come, right back where we started from. Hustle scrape your guns, your shadow is a ton, driving down the 101, California, here we come, right back where we started from, California. Welcome to the OCG, bitch, the show where we take an in-depth Episode by episode, look at the seminal and underrated prime time soap opera for the early aughts, the OC. I am dizzy. Yeah, well, I'm may- gonna be honest, I'm dizzy. Maybe not run around the studio 14 times before you uh, put the mic in your hand, because what it does is it makes you go full Michigan J Frog to start the show, <laughs> but to start the show for like 10 seconds, and then you are out of breath and energy. But eventually, if I do it enough, 20 seconds, and then 30 seconds, and then hello, my darling, hello, my baby, hello, the whole damn show. The problem is that, like, the reason that I do think that you will eventually slow down from adding 10 seconds a week, which is not impressive, is uh, your need to, uh, you know how, like, Popeye shoots spinach into his mouth to get more power? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're like that with Hot Pockets. Like, you hold them in their sleeve, and you squeeze the sleeve just enough so yes. they launch directly into your mouth. That's going to eventually slow you down. That's not something that marathon runners do. I'm on Lean Pockets now, turkey and spinach. It's still gross. Hot Pockets don't taste good. No. But if they taste good at all, it's because they're filled with gross shit. Now they taste bad, and you fill them with bad stuff. Who are Lean Pockets for? I don't Who's like, know. I need bread pockets, but I want them to be healthy bread pockets. Uh, yeah, I, it's weird. Nighttime Pop-Tarts. That's all they goddamn are. I'd rather have a fucking schmore Pop-Tart. And by the way, all Pop-Tarts can be nighttime Pop-Tarts. If you just look outside, is it nighttime? I'll have a Pop-Tart. Now you got a nighttime Pop-Tart. That's Ryan. I'm Mike. We talk about the OC. I don't think I said that Clearly. stuff yet. This is... For reals this time, this is part two to the season finale of the first season. If you're like, what? I want part one. Go to the other episode, idiot. What it feels like, um, I know you don't know a lot about sports, so I'll go slow here. There was an athlete a what? of my youth a where? called Michael Jordan. Who? Michael Jordan. Michael Stuff. Michael Jordan. Uh, you may know him from Haynes commercials. And yeah. he, played, he played the Hoopies. Okay. And he retired once to play baseball, and then he retired again, and then he came back from that retirement to play for the Washington, I think they were the Bullets then, now they're the Wizards, because Bullets, you know, promotes violence. Um, and Wizards are peaceful. I guess they're not a war wizard. There's some sort of peaceful hedge mage. Oh, do you have a code? Go to the Washington Wizards. There is no wizard who only uses his spells for peace. Every wizard has a little bit of war wizard in him. Ooh, is that that's to be a slogan for the new wizarding school? Is that a hot take? I think so. No wizard has only been like, oh, I just use my uh, powers to open cans of soda. I'm going to heal you with Mountain Dew. It's then, now opened. Then their heel comes off their foot and hits you in the face boom, as hard boom, as it can. Boom. Um, when Michael Jordan retired the first time and the second time, it was a big deal. The third and fourth time, not so big. Last time, I was very emotional. Last episode, because this was the end of season one. Now, fucking, who gives a shit? Can we get over with this fucking season? That's Jesus what, Christ. You were a little too weepy, and producer Dave's just like, wrap it up. Yes. Ra- nobody, this is not lady boner or may, maybe boner inducers. Now, I have a question for you, Mike. Um, this episode is called, the episode of the OC, the episode of the OCD is called something that we have not figured out yet, but the episode of the OC is called The Ties That Bind. The Ties That Bind. And what are, to you, the foos, foods that bind? The foods that bind? Mm-hmm. Uh, you got your pad. Thai? Thai. Uh-huh. You got your drunken noodles. Okay. You got your eggplant tofu. And this is what you use if you have a bunch of paper and it gets all over the place and you want to keep it together. Mm-hmm. You rub 
pad thai on the edge, and now you have a bound book. Any good noodle-based mm. will be your ties. That That's bond. using your noodle. That is using your noodle. I don't know how else you could use a noodle. There are, the classic foods that bind are, is like cheese, right? Not the way it goes through me, my friend. Uh, yeah, it is you, not binding. You may have no food that binds, right? No. Prunes? Prune? No, that's, that's when you're too bound. That's to unbind. Do you have weird foods that bind no one but you? Mm, raisin bran? Doesn't that bind everybody? So, but raisins are just prunes, small prunes. No, they're different. Fruit. They're pruny prunes. Pretty prunes. I think the raisins and the flakes are supposed to like balance each other out and be like, be normal now. And they create some sort of like drywall? Yeah. Interesting. Cauliflower pizza? Mm-hmm. With I thought, soy cheese? I feel like we've talked about this on a previous show about how it's pronounced cauliflower and cauliflower. I will refuse to cauliflower. I only call my mother for dinner. <laughs> can't argue with that. <laughs> you can't. It's scientific facts. If you want to hear us talking about Julie and Caleb and their wedding and Sandy and Kiki uh, talking Sandy into being cool at the wedding and Jimmy uh, and Marissa, that's last episode. But if we're not going back to the wedding on this episode, I must mention that in the credits it revealed that the singer of the song at the wedding, her name was Jem. Jem was her name. Was she truly outrageous? The rock star that they got to sing the song, which I think was a Wings song. I was going to ask, is this Bob Seger? She sang the theme song from the hit show Wings. Steven uh, Weber's here, too, and that guy from Sidewise. Steven Weber's pretty cool, but my favorite Weber is Spider-Man, just so everybody knows. Uh, yeah, her name was Jem. Jem was her name. You did not answer if she was truly outrageous or not. Yeah, she was truly outrageous. She was truly outrageous. Nobody who is named Jem is, like, semi-outrageous. We're going to still be talking about the wedding. We're just going to be talking about Seth's version of the wedding and mm. Summer's and Teresa's and a different side of Kiki. All that and more on tonight's The OCD. At this point, with Ryan and Teresa, Teresa is barely in this episode. She's here and there. We didn't really dig into her in the last episode. Not of The OCD, of The OC. Uh, she doesn't interact a lot. I, or she's very front-loaded. She deals with Kirsten a lot. She's about to be more front-loaded. Pregnancy. Pregnancy, yeah. Uh... But she's very smart. She goes to Ryan, and she's like, hey, you're not ready for this. I'm not ready for this. I'm 17 and should be in high school, and we all keep forgetting that. I'm not going to have it. She's not going to have the baby. I thought it was a very bold move for the show to take. Yeah, and it's uh, good on Ryan. Because Ryan is really trying to always do the right thing. And typically when he does the wrong thing, it's about going to beat people up when he shouldn't. To Rorschach, to justice for justice's sake. But he does say straight up to Sandy, look, man, you taught me family over everything. You know, you are the Dom Toretto to my Brian Walker. Mm -hmm. So I do have to go with Teresa. But when she says, you know what, I'm not going to have the baby and you can keep your posh ass life in Newport. He doesn't just do cartwheels and uh, throw a party. Just fortnighting all around. He's just like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Oh, cool, are you cool. sure? Oh. And then runs to tell Marissa, just so Marissa could get real devastated. And then gets Marissa pregnant. And yeah, that's the thing, is that Teresa Wright can do no wrong. And I mean that. Like, she is a 17-year-old who is pregnant and has so much on her plate that you really can't blame her for anything. Right. And that includes changing her mind and with for a big thing it's okay to change her mind and especially so kirsten shows up at the bakery that's really a cafe while teresa is the busiest anybody has ever been at a bakery cafe 
because only Teresa knows how to fix the machine while she gets her 38 cents tips. People at this bakery scream at her as if they're on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Mm-hmm. Like they treat, they just buy muffins, muffins sell scones. muffins. <laughs> and Kirsten is like, and Teresa is like, I'm in high school. I don't think that why well, she has a thousand plates in her hands. And Kirsten's like, let me drive you. I said she has a lot on her plate. And Teresa's like, no, I got to do this alone. I can't bug Ryan. And Kirsten's like, cool, not saying bug Ryan. Let me drive you. And one of the most adorable things of Kiki ever, she's like, I'm an excellent driver and such a good parker. There's no way. There's no way with how bad she is at cooking that she's good at those things. Wow. I think it's hand-eye coordination. Who is the sexist now? It's not sex. It's you Kiki. You are sexist. No. Uh, guys, please call 1562-DRDJ-POP and report this sexist. Report the, it. The robot will handle <laughs> report him. Report it to us. The robot is also our HR rep. But not sexist. No. It doesn't know gender. Which is the way it should be. Very racist, but does not know gender. I did not know gender. Some say producer Dave got another program race. Man, you get Dave with a screwdriver uh, and a recent viewing of American History X, and you have no idea what he's capable of. So Kiki and Teresa, they have basically have one conversation spread out over numerous meetings because uh, Teresa keeps saying, bitch, I'm busy. Look at all these plates. Look at how much stuff is on my plate. And then Teresa goes at Kirsten hard. She's like... Look, I'm from Chino. This is hard. I make $11 a day. Your life has always been fucking perfect. You've never had a problem. Which seems, I know she's going through a lot, but intense. It made me sort of wonder, Kirsten definitely came with an agenda that we found out later, which is, or not an agenda, that sounds manipulative, but like- uh, A reason? With some understanding, right? Yes. Uh, I'm picking Teresa out because she may have, may have, had a similar life path to me so far. Uh, But I wonder if- Kiki would have told Teresa everything that she eventually did if Teresa hadn't have like gone after her and just prodded and poked her until Kiki had had no choice but to say, not everything's perfect. Right. I have had an abortion. When Kiki's face first did that, I thought it was like, this teenager, I'm trying to be nice. Sandy was nice to a teen and he fucking adopted him, but I'm trying to do the same thing and she's so mean. Why is she so mean? But yeah, um... There's a lot of reasons. Chino, people from Chino have been, and this is just in the show's world. I'm not saying yes. this about real people, but uh, people in Chino have been taught how, like, who noopsies are right. and sort of how to treat them. And uh, Teresa is down and confused and sad. And so, she, yeah, she sort of says uh, with half sarcasm, half jealousy, half just like, I don't even know what I'm saying right, right now. Fuck you, bitch. Don't come at me. You will not. Like, you know me. what it's like to be me. And then Kirsten says she did before. Sandy didn't even know. She tells him later in the episode. It's Jimmy's, right? That has to be what we've led to believe. I don't know that part. I don't like. I don't know when it happened, but I would. I would like to think that she would have told Sandy, mm-hmm. and definitely would have not told Jimmy. Right. So yeah, it, it makes sense that it is Jimmy's. And everybody's emotions then make sense more with how they deal with everybody. Mm. But yeah, she, uh, she and Sandy get in a tiff because when Teresa's not going to go through with the abortion. Sandy goes, what did you say to her? And she's like, whoa, motherfucker. Nothing. I mean, and this is when she tells him. She's like, I just said, I wish I had taken a step back and thought things through again. And this is a perfect, like, I feel like that I have been a little hard on um, the uh, sides that the that Sandy and Kiki, the greatest mm-hmm. married couple in TV history, have been taking. They, they've been taking sides for the sake of drama as opposed to realism. But this is a classic Kiki and Sandy great conversation right like why she was about to get an abortion and everything would have been fine why would you ever meddle you meddler 
And then also, fuck you, dude. Like, I get to do what I want. And this is a whole other human. Like, we're, we're talking about not just one human, Teresa, but two humans, sort of. Mm. You know, like, this is, this is a great conversation. And the conversation is so good and balanced that whatever side I would instinctively jump on, right. I hold back a little bit. Yeah, I think it's so well. Only these two actors and characters, but really actors, I think, on the show could pull off this conversation. It takes a lot of nuance and guns or whatever, especially in 2004, every, guns were fun. Uh, that it's, I'm impressed that in the season finale that this show would tackle abortion and not have be like a dun-dun-dun. Also, in 2004, I would expect abortion to be tackled in a way where like, uh, if we talk about it, we're going to say that don't do it. Right. You know? And it's pretty gray. This is, yeah, this is like, there are multiple sides. And I, I mean, if this show, if any show leans even slightly conservative, I'm going to freak out. Right. So the fact that I'm not freaking out, I think is a pretty good sign. What the lesson seems to be is take your time, take your own temperature. What do you think you should do? And girl, call your goddamn mom, who's the sweetest person we've ever met on this show. Just get in touch with her. She won't throw you out, even though she's Catholic. The weird part about all of it, though, was when Sandy said, uh, why did you get that abortion? Why didn't you abort Seth? That that threw me for a loop. Like, Sandy straight up comes out and says, Seth? Like, who says pudding that much? If somebody says pudding that much, abort them. And Seth was on the other side of the door with a big fucking plate of pudding about to serve it to everybody and just goes, <gasps> One hand uh, had a plate of pudding, the other hand had a giant glass to the door so he could hear. That's how you hear in other rooms. But the glass was so big, comically big, that uh, he heard everything in that room and then every other room in Newport. Well, he was just waiting for somebody to say, can you put that over there? So he could say, did somebody say, can you putting that over there? Fuck. Seth, that's awful and not clever. And I don't know why anybody but would say that stupid shit. Devastated uh, to the point that he might leave. We should take a break and talk about Seth. About to get dramatic up in here. Except that Teresa does say, hey, move the Chino with me, Ryan. Please take care of this baby. But we don't have time for that. Let's talk about Seth. Ryan, I know I said we don't have time to talk about it, but it's kind of a big deal. Move the Chino with me. Raise this baby. There's so much stuff in the show that is uh, surface-level heartbreaking. Uh-huh. But like you sort of know, almost like you're watching the British office, that the awkwardness will go away at some point. Mm-hmm. But uh, Teresa's conundrum here of, I, I, I need help. And the person who knocked me up is the most, like, black and white, always do what's right, right guy. Uh, and then also I will be taking a- him away from his perfect life and perfect future. But I need help. Th- like, and watching her react to everything that Ryan says is truly heartbreaking. It, it, very heartbreaking, but it's only to TV level because if they kept having these conversations, like Kirsten and Sandy decided it's good to talk out, is I know you want to be near your mom. You're only a couple hours away. Ryan can still help her out. And probably get a better job in Newport than in Chino, especially with the ties the Coens have. Ties of mine. Ties. They they could bind him to a better paying job. That's. I think the thing is that's more confusing to me than his final decision is his initial decision of. Well, I mean, I want to help her out, but like I'm not going to change my life. Right. What makes more sense to me with Ryan as sort of the old school blue collar thing we're married. is never having that first conversation, right. but just going right to. I guess this is the rest of my fucking life. And I get you don't have time in a TV show to have the varying degrees of those conversations because he had it with Marissa and that is it. If he had had it with the Coens, they would have instantly been like, yeah, there's yeah, a job. The last couple of episodes, we've been talking about the difference between Chino people and Newport people because Chino people eat chili like this and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but one of the big ones is 
Newport people, when you offer them something, they uh, like sort of barely fight against it. Uh-huh. No, I couldn't. Okay. And she know people really like, no, no, I would never take that charity because somebody brings up, um, well, so Teresa moves in and then we are all this. Right. Then now there's a baby in the house and we're all this happy family. And I mostly believe Sandy and Kirsten when they talk about that. Mm-hmm. But because they're from Chino, which means more blue collar, you know, like right. uh, working class, uh, there's no way that they would take that. Is it pride? It did feel weird that Teresa said that's some season seven shit. You don't do that in your first season. Yeah, that is weird. Absolutely. Why? But um, maybe she knows that season seven of the OC takes place in a spaceship in the year 3000. Oh, yeah. She's like, I'm coming back then, baby, with my robot baby. Half robot, half leather cuffs. Teresa, stop saying baby so much. Is that how things What's work wrong, in babies? the year 3000? Year 3000, everybody's a baby or robot. But yeah, everybody's conflicted with everything because mm-hmm. it's really hard. But uh, uh, just another one of them is Ryan saying, how much do you need to get to Atlanta? Right. I need like five grand, I think she yeah. says. And th- this may have been in the Las Vegas, Vegas episode. Yeah, yeah. But um, he says, oh, I'll go. I'll just go ask the Coens. No problem. Yeah. And then. So he's grown. He's evolved different than he was. This is mostly when he thinks it's not his kid. But uh, and then she says, no, I could never do that. And she does say it. Right. In a really good performance of this way of like, oh, I wish I was raised in a different city in a different way where I would be like, yes. Oh, if I was Seth who just steals his granddad's. Right. But I have to automatically say, oh, I can never. Not even alone. You could work something out, guys. But I guess we're on a primetime soap. So you can't. Seth. And this is laying the groundwork in the first half of this episode is why he turns into the biggest brat the second half of the episode. They're taking care of the boat because Seth is trying to sell it to help her out. And Ryan's like, you don't talk about Tahiti anymore. And Seth says, you showed up. I didn't have any reason to flee. That is heartbreaking. And then Summer finds out that the boat is named after her. There's a lot of like, hey, remember how things were because all Seth is saying is, it's going back. my life changed when Ryan showed up. Nothing will be okay if Ryan leaves to the point that he throws Oliver in Marissa's face. He says, all of this is his fault. Oliver is her fault. Take this baton I'm trying to throw you. A couple of things. When Seth said that he didn't have to flee anymore, did you buy that? Like he threw away his bass guitar and refused to uh, play any Red Hot Chili Pepper covers. Like he just doesn't have to do that anymore. Did you buy that? People know we love California. We don't have to keep fucking parodying it. Or do you think he fake threw it away, but like... He ran and got it and then I'll put flee it in the base. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Summer finding out that it actually, the boat was named after her. Do you buy her reaction of that sweet and not, what the fuck? Creep well, master. She found out when he was at his lowest of low, he left the wedding to go stare at the ocean. So even if uh, she is creeped out, she has to not be. She, right? Yeah. They've gone through too much recently and are barely back together. Uh, for him, for her to be like, Summer Breeze, that's funny. That's my name. He goes, yeah. Uh, and you know she should have, because he didn't make some dumb joke, except she did. She said, well, this is the only summer. I th- she's freaked out by Teresa's pregnancy. She keeps making jokes. She's like, this is the only summer you'll be riding for a while. Seth's reaction is, he's like, yeah, I get it. No sex. Because she's had like three in a row. That feels like uh, maybe a couple scenes were edited out of this episode. Uh-huh. Because she keeps doing it for no reason. Um, and then the, the final question is you brought up Seth's brattiness. Uh-huh. And at the wedding, everything comes to him that, like, this is really going to fucking happen. Uh, he has, like, tried with the girls to be like, let's throw away our entire lives right. to make sure that he 
that Ryan stays. He has suggested that they all get jobs and pay for an apartment in the numbered streets, numbered which actually streets. is a pretty accurate uh, telling of Newport. There uh-huh. are like where the mansions are, and then there's First Street and Second Street, which are still very expensive houses. Right. Right on the beach. But you don't want to live there and hang out with like the nickels and the... No, you want stairs down to the beach. Right. You don't want to walk onto the beach. Or if that's your second house, cool. Your party weekend house. Right. That's your party weekend house. You throw the kids there so you don't have to pay attention to them. But... Through basically the third act of this episode, once Seth comes to the conclusion that this is going to happen, he throws a 20-minute tantrum. To everybody. He chews out everybody's face. At the wedding, when Summer came to check on him, she's like, you'll still have me. He goes, it's not the same. Yeah. Which is true. Just, I don't know, not the time. I know you're 15. Like, man. We just saw Summer. Maybe could have gotten creeped out by the name of the boat, but knew what the time was. Uh-huh. Knew, like, could read her audience and then not. This could also be a time, Seth, read the audience and not say that thing. I think it's hard. Seth was Seth for his whole life, only person in every club ever. His parents loved him but made fun of him mostly. And then this changed. I think it is the, I'm going to burn every bridge before I can get burned because I'm assuming people only like me for Ryan. Fuck all of this. Okay, that's interesting. So would you say that he is just a brat who has never handled anything and doesn't know how to and then is doing this? Mm-hmm. And like, I think the biggest one, the, the summer, it's not the same thing as a big deal, but him barely being able to make eye contact with Ryan when Ryan leaves. He won't take his iPod fucking buds out he, for his bud. He, he won't get up and hug him. Yeah, it is betrayal he's just like you got to take care of your kid i guess and the most (laughs) and the most egregious is that ryan gets him a gift a map to tahiti and uh seth says cool and then throws it like not like a baseball but like there's a toss there's a uh significant toss i want you to know how little i care about this gift and you get out of my life so or is this uh Harry and the Hendersons. Is he throwing pebbles That's at Ryan? That's what I was going to ask. Say, this is what you need. Is Seth throwing a tantrum that is out of his control at this point because he's, he's a baby that's never handled anything? Or is he just making it easier for himself mm-hmm. for his an inevitable leave? And maybe we're just not seeing those scenes. What we're seeing is the big old tantrum. Mm-hmm. But because we've shown some dimension in Seth, maybe it's all of it. Uh, the other sadder goodbye is Kirsten who says, if I learn to cook, will you stay? And the best watery eyes won't cry. Fuck, it hurts. And that hug. Oh. Okay, so we can still remember how Kirsten screamed at Sandy, you're not bringing a goddamn Chino-loving, mm-hmm. chili-eating hooligan into my house. Newport is just clam chowder, no chili. That's how we met Kirsten. And in the first episode, if you only watched that, she set up to be the uh, tight-ass right. bitch, right? Uh, and this episode... There's the lunch thing. I packed a lunch. If I learned how to cook, would you stay? Yeah. Quivering lips. And then we enter into, if I may, the music moment, which is, I think, the show's first example, although they will use this song time and time again, of Jeff Buckley's Hallelujah. Second. This is the second time? Yeah. Okay. So my second introduction to Hallelujah, because I did not know the song before the show, and uh, but there was an episode that used it previously. And so we have a sad montage of everybody trying to deal with stuff. Uh-huh. But then if you thought that if I learned how to cook, would you set, stay? Everyone is handling it poorly, except for Kirsten, mm-hmm. who was once the uptight bitch, goes to change the sheets, gets a whiff, right, yeah. or something, and then sits on the bed and sobs. Breaks. And then Sandy comes and gives her a hug, and that's very sweet. But Sandy yeah. comes directly in his pants. That's just what he's <laughs> She's into. She's never sad. Uh, yeah, let's just burn through everybody's goodbyes then, because that was heartbreaking. Sandy... Uh, fuck. I don't remember exactly what he says, but he says, even though you're leaving, 
he basically says, even though you're leaving, you're still my son. And that. Mm-hmm. And then Marissa, I think Marissa and Kirsten deal with it very well in their own ways. Marissa later does not. But to Ryan, she sets it in a different way. She doesn't tantrum, but what is good for him? She goes, I don't like what you're doing, but I understand why you're doing it. I want you to know that. That was so. That's the most mature thing she has ever done on this show. But then says something else. What else did she say? For the first time. I love you. Knowing that he's leaving to be with another girl. Oh, by the way, I love you. By the way, I love you. And then she later goes to that palace, her new home, and just chugs cheap vodka staring at the ocean. And to be fair, uh, Ryan ran away. Like, she said, I love you. And Ryan runs away, fully crying, like, can't handle it. And then Marissa finishes her sentence. Unicorns, because Caleb and Julie got a unicorn yeah. for their wedding. I'm so happy. So Ryan thinks that Marissa's in love with I'm him. I'm not going to have time for you because unicorns. There's a horned horse. Take care of your stupid kid. <laughs> if your baby is a unicorn, I will I love, love it. And also, Teresa will be dead because <laughs> you can't give birth to a unicorn. They come out foals. Foals are still huge. Unifold? Unifold. Tie fold clothes. One fold. Do you have awards? Yeah. Or other final thoughts? Uh, yeah, and then uh, Seth does the classic TV thing. I don't think real life thing, at least this has never happened to me, of uh, leave the goodbye notes. Oh, yeah. The classic runaway Summer, goodbye notes. mom and dad. And he is sailing away. He's going to sail away. We don't know to Tahiti or not. Well, he left that map, so hopefully not Tahiti. <laughs> he will get lost. That's such a crazy thing. Is like, I'm very sad. I'm going to sail away to Tahiti. But I'm going to leave the map. That's how fucking ballsy I am. So everybody emotionally, everybody's sad Ryan's leaving. But uh, Marissa's like, I'm going to drink in this big old house. Summer's like, well, at least I have my boyfriend. The parents are like, well, I guess we have Seth. Uh, And Seth's like, nope, hopping on a boat. Fuck everybody. Which does cause some drama in season two. Do you know where Ryan goes? I'm sorry, do you know where Seth goes? Yes. We'll save that for a future episode. Jeez. Um, so my Sandy Wisdom, I think we already did last episode. My comics connection for this part of the episode. Oh, yeah. I got one. Um, is Seth is trying to be cool about this, but he thinks that it's because Ryan is staying. Uh-huh. But, you know, he's trying to be cool and say, like, oh, well, let's think of baby names. And one of the baby names, he says, because uh, Seth is a comic nerd, is Thor. And that is the name of a comic character. But just so everyone knows, in Orange County, if you name a baby Thor... You are not a Marvel fan. You are a white supremacist. Oh, so just remember, yeah. now, for whatever reason, the skinheads took over the Norse god realm, and they love that shit. Don't name your baby Thor. Blonde hair, blue eye, rippling muscles, big old hammer. Also, that baby that they have is going to possibly come out blue-eyed, but it will not have hair. So it's going to be a white supremacist from day one. <laughs> oh, no, be the careful, baby never guys. had a chance. Um, yeah, that's the last one that I have. Uh, my OC Couture. Uh, Ryan hugs Marissa after she says, I understand. And it zooms in on his shoulder, and it's just a logo. It's not on a pocket logo where it should be. He's in a button-up. It's on the back right shoulder of Fox. Fox is huge in Orange County, and it really zooms in on that fucking Fox logo. OC Couture, babies. Oh, I also have uh, one for uh, a new award. Uh-huh. Uh, At Wood, always up to no good. I have a winner for that award. What is that? And uh, the perfect Ryan moment is when he walks up to, at the wedding, Teresa needs a break. Mm-hmm. From the wedding, and then Marissa comes up. Or no, wait, was this the baby shower? The wedding shower? Are you talking episodes ago? Was Teresa at the wedding? Probably. Okay. And no, then, she picks him up later. All right, never mind that. Just tell me. I want to know what you're saying now. And uh, then Marissa comes up and says, "Hey, you needed a break," and they start talking. Uh huh. And then Ryan says, "No, this is the wedding." 
No, this is the baby shower. The wedding shower. And Keep then, talking! <laughs> then Ryan says, oh, I was looking for you. For both of oh, you. Oh, yeah, that was... We even talked about that on that air. That was weeks ago. Okay. Five weeks ago. So then my uh, OC, more like pro-C, because it's the best show of all time, award to cover up everything I just said. Uh-huh. We'll do a quick edit right there. Sure, pause, sure, pause, sure. pause. Okay. And we're good. Is uh, I don't know if you noticed, Mike, but they recreated the scene from the first episode with instead of Ryan getting there and seeing Marissa... Now he's leaving. And Marissa. he even looks across a different shoulder. He looks through the car seats instead of through the window. Ah, what are you doing, guys? O seeds, more like proceeds, go directly to us when you go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. That's your new Amazon. Help us out that way. And then one more award uh, that when Anna left, I can't believe that this was the episode where Anna left back to Pittsburgh. Thank you, Holophonics. Goodbye, for girl. Lovely music. Other uh, old memories? Yes, Holophonics, you were great. You're in the Hall of Famix. <laughs> uh, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Mondays, we have other podcasts like Movie of the Year, where our pal Greg makes Ryan and I fight for his best friendship and to determine the movie best movie of any given year. The other Atwood always up to no good moment from this episode was where uh, Ryan Atwood goes up to Alfred and he's like, hey, do you think Bruce Wayne's ready to become Batman? Guy, it was wonderful. That would be a crossover with our other podcast that comes out late Friday nights, early Saturday mornings, the Superhero Hour Hour, where our pal Taylor makes us and Greg battle for his Ben friendship and to talk about his Ben friend. He wants to name us Ben. Superhero Hour Hour. Subscribe, rate, and review. I feel like his Ben already has a name. It's Ben. <laughs> it's Ben, but he wants a new name for his Ben. If you think that was dumb, hit us up on Twitter at your pop filter. You love the Twitter. You hate the Twitter, but you're still on the Twitter. Be specific, though. Don't just say that was dumb. You need to tell us exactly what was dumb. Contact at yourpopfilter.com if you really want an essay-length response of why that was dumb for Ben Friendship. If you want our logo on your eyes, so everybody who everybody looks in your eyes, they see our logo, contact lens at yourpopfilter.com. That is a new tier on patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. You pick a tier, you get an award. Sometimes you'll hate the award. Read the fine print at patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. If you would like to become a foster child, and what I mean is follow Jody Foster around and try to find aliens, you go to contactmovie at yourpopfilter.com. 1562-DR-DJ-POP is where you can call if you found said aliens but have not found Jodie Foster yet. We will relay the message to her. That's our robot associate. His name is 1562-DR-DJ-POP. He is a medical doctor. He's a medical DJ. He is all pop. One of his hands is a... It is a 1992 mint condition Barry Bonds baseball card. (laughs) And his other hand is a... Penis. And his penis is a... Hand... That's the show, man. That's the first season. Congratulations to everyone involved. Especially you. And especially, especially me. Do we want to, what are we talking about next week? You want to let them know? You want uh, a little sneak peek? I think that for at least a couple weeks, we're going to come on and just be sad. Yes. And like maybe do like the best of, not the best of our show, but like just talking about the things that we love the most about uh-huh. the first season. You're, when Jimmy's got a Jimmy. When Marissa does whatever Marissa does, Kirsten drinking all of her favorite awards. Don't say Oliver anymore. We're, okay, no Oliver. From here, are we an Oliver ban? Yes. No more Oliver from this. What happens if one of us mentions Oliver after this episode? If you if you were gonna say, um, in totality, the awards that belong to us. I know that's a long way to say it, but it's much better than saying all of her awards. Right. But if one of us mentions the man who cannot be named, the Voldemort of the OC. 
from here on out, what happens? There has to be a punishment. Truffle shuffle. Truffle shuffle? Mm. An audio truffle shuffle? <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's not good for anybody, so I guess let's not try to do that. But we're going to have all kinds of fun stuff coming up. You'll love it. We'll love it. Latro! California! Yeah.